It's time again for Three Point Podcast. Three sports guys, three generations, and three hot takes. The triple threat includes baby boomer Ted Patel of Sportsnet Michigan and C92.5 The Castle. Our Gen Xer is Matt Burns of ESPN and the SEC Network out of Charlotte, North Carolina. And the millennial man is Jared Patel of Fox 17 TV in Grand Rapids, Michigan and Fat Stack Sports. Comments and questions can be sent by email to 3 Pod at gmail.com or hit them up on social media at 3 Pod. The fellows will get it rolling right after this from our partners. Great news to report. Sheridan Realty and Auction Company has built a new 7,500-square-foot warehouse in Owasso. Now we are able to take all of your items and put it underneath one roof. Whether you are able to bring us a vehicle, an ATV, furniture, it goes inside. Go to SheridanAuctionService.com to see more. More importantly, stop down and see us at 1007 South Washington Street. You'll do better with Sheridan. Nelson House Funeral Home's number one goal is to serve the families in our community. They're not tied into an out-of-state corporation or their board of directors. The Nelson House staff are proud to serve our local community with reliability, integrity, and compassion. The top priority is caring for our friends and neighbors, being right there when you need them most. With unique service to represent unique lives in mid-Michigan, ensuring your loved ones receive the honor and celebration they deserve. The business started in 1880 and continues the tradition today with chapels in Owasso, Chesanine, and New Lothrop. For more details, see them on the web at nelsonhouse.com or call them at 989-723-5234. Rivals Tap House and Grill is the area's go-to spot for the best in food and drink. Meet up with your friends and catch your favorite sporting events on over 20 high-def flat-screen TVs. And our 120-inch projection screen. Rivals can handle your larger, small parties and is an awesome spot to put on your fundraising events. Weekly food and drink specials including gourmet burgers, wings, pizza, homemade soup, and salads. Rivals also stocks a large selection of craft and domestic brews. Rivals Tap House and Grill, the official gathering spot of three-point podcast located on the corner of Shiawassee and M21 in Corona. Well, it's episode 142 of Three Point Podcast, and our partners include Advanced Elevator, Corona Connection, Hankard Sportswear, Rivals Tap House and Grill, Nelson House Funeral Homes, Sheridan Auction Service, Z92.5, The Castle, and on board tonight, Bee's Bakery, home of the Michigan, Michigan State Cookie Contest. Hey, what a weekend we had here as the Big Ten is back. Michigan lived up to the hype, especially Joe Milton. The Mel Tucker era started in East Lansing, and Sparty forgot to hang on to the ball. And the Lions somehow pulled out a miraculous finish. Also, we'll have a little entertainment tonight at the end of the show. We'll give a little Borat review for you. And we'll also, speaking of the Spartans, we're going to be checking in with one of their big fans and supporters, Joe Janka. He's going to break down the Spartans here on this season and take a look at that big game coming up. Before we get to all that, though, I want to tell you about the good folks at Advanced Elevator. They have the best trained professional field technicians for installation, troubleshooting, and repair of elevators in the entire Midwest. Centrally located with headquarters in the heart of Owasso, an area business leader and longtime huge supporter of the Corona Public Schools and a proud member of the Shiawassee Regional Chamber of Commerce. Hankard Sportswear. They're the area's go-to clothing and more printing business with many loyal customers. The Hankard Sportswear team 
pride themselves by giving a good product at a great value. 100% guaranteed to satisfy your expectations. And speaking of Hankard, well, they donated. They worked with us for some swag. We're going to be giving away at uh, Rivals this coming weekend for the big Michigan Michigan State game. We'll give you some more details on that in just a little bit. But let's get rolling, boys. I mean, how excited, how happy were we after that big Saturday night game in Minnesota? Well, I think we talked about it last week that, like, the feeling, even though we had been watching, obviously, NFL for a while, but even, you know, a month or more of some college football games, it still didn't necessarily feel like Big Ten football was back. And, again, I don't know about you guys, but, like, even once the noon game started kicking off, you know, once once Michigan State was playing, even though there was that Friday night game, you know, it started to feel like it. But for, you know, me as a Michigan fan, once I was finally, like, on my couch watching the pregame for the Michigan game, watching Herbie and Fowler in the booth, that's when it, for me, finally felt like, like almost like, holy crap, Michigan football is back. Like, it finally felt good. It really did. It finally felt like college football, like, period was back but I'll be the first to admit it uh hand up on the Joe Milton thing but I'm glad I'm wrong about him because we talked about how we weren't sure and I know that it wasn't like he lit the world on fire but there's just something about him as soon as he came out in a visor and like he had the dreads popping like and he's just got so much swag like I was like this guy's legit like, I don't even need to see him take the first snap this guy's 100% legit but I wondered about the Shea Patterson thing it just kind of seems like it was more of like he maybe wasn't entirely ready yet and it's tough to kind of beat out his uh quarterback like Shea Patterson who's returning uh, starter after they won like 10 games but he's the real deal I, he seems like it seems like the team's like really rallied around him and Gaddis has kind of basically given him the entire offense and said like kind of run with it I, I love this guy I, I'm so back on Michigan football I'm so back on college football period I'm 100% in on this team <laughs> well first of all good we can put the whole Shea Patterson discussion on this podcast completely behind us now right I would yeah I mean we'll see it, it could be fool's gold, well, but I'm pretty all in on Milton right now. Even, even we'll see what happens with Milton down the road, but I agree with you. He looks good, but uh, I'm tired of the Shea Patterson bashing. Let's move on. But he looks good. The Wolverines overall, their defense looked like they're ready to play. I mean, it looked like they were prepared. Harbaugh had them ready. It, it looked the opposite on Minnesota and Fleck. So it was a great start by the Wolverines. I mean, they got the three running backs by committee, the – the fullback, what's his name, number 42? Ben Mason. Ben Mason. I mean, you know, we, he was dogged on a little bit by us last year, but he had a huge game. He, he's a leader of that team, and I, I'll tell you what, I'm impressed with the receivers. This is going to be a fun team to watch. No, and, and Jared, you, I, I give you credit for putting your hand up and admitting that maybe you were wrong, but the one thing, you know, I obviously I've been very excited to see Joe Milton finally get a start and, like, legitimate snaps. I'm trying to, like – hold my excitement back a little bit. Um, everyone was impressed with that performance, but it was still only one game. Like, that that's the one thing. And, you know, maybe Minnesota was a little off. They had some injuries, you know, whatever. But Minnesota is still a good team. They're a top 25 team, so it was definitely still impressive. I want to see them, even though Michigan State struggled. We'll talk about that later a lot. But I want to see them against Michigan State, a rivalry game, and then next week, or, yeah, I guess next week they get Indiana, so a pretty good team. So, I, I'm trying to like temper my excitement a little bit and not all of a sudden crown him the Heisman Trophy winner. Oh, we have to. Is, is, the thing is, is, like the last few years, we've seen good to like me, mediocre to like good quarterback play or like stretches of really good quarterback play out of Michigan. So that's what is exciting because it did look like, like you said, Jared, that Gaddis's offense was kind of like opened up and and Milton seemed to kind of have control of the offense. So, but I'm I'm just 
trying to hold my excitement a little bit. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. But we've seen September Heisman's in Michigan before. But oh, yeah. uh, but I agree with you, Matt. We got to we got to take it one game at a time because that Ohio State game lose, looms large there at the end of the schedule, and we can't get too caught up with oh we're rolling, we're rolling, and then get beat forty-two to twenty-one to Ohio State. You know they got to keep building on this week in week out. You know they come into this game Saturday, I think what twenty-four, twenty-five point favorites against mm-hmm. Michigan State. I'm not sure how you would bet that game. I mean, would you would you think the Spartans would put up a fight, or are they as bad as they looked in that first game? How can you in with a conscience. They lost to Rutgers by two scores. I know. So you think they're going to somehow stay within three scores of Michigan, who just – Minnesota couldn't stay within three scores of them. So I just don't understand. Like, no, I, I think you got to bet. I know that this isn't like D'Antonio's coaching Michigan State where they're usually – even last year they didn't even cover. Uh, this isn't – I think you got to 100% lean into Michigan. But in terms of, like, Michigan's team and, like, the Minnesota game – is there's just something about this team now that Milton's at quarterback that kind of has like a little bit more like moxie to them that we've n- haven't I don't know if we've ever had under Harbaugh like with with even when we had like the good teams with like Rudock and maybe somewhat in like 2016 with Jabril and those guys but for once this team I'm like confident 100% confident in these guys and yeah. there's something it feels like a Big 12 offense and I know I just saw a stat like we're the most efficient offense in the country as of now I mean now yeah small One sample game. size. But it was. A, it's not like they were playing Rutgers. I know. It's but Minnesota. It's, but it's one game Let's, at Minnesota at night after they start the game off just absolutely horrendous. Is is it's isn't that what's funny? Is it seems like if it's the Lions or somebody else, as soon as that game started the way it did, I was like, oh wow, like here we go, like here we freaking go again. Yeah. Then Charbonnet because it wasn't even 70. only the punt. It was the it was the or the blocked punt. It was the three and out. Right. And like Milton gets sacked. Like it was like this team yep. sucks. But yet they bounce back, and here they are. I'm 100% in on these guys. Yeah, I, I'm I'm kind of feeling the same way. I know I just went on a soliloquy about holding my excitement, but I, I am, like, basically on the same, like, wavelength as you guys, you know, being excited about this, at least seeing a performance like that in game one because you, we remember the last – well, basically ever since Harbaugh's been there, they've either lost or looked pretty lackluster in the opening game. So it was kind of nice to see game one – even with all this, whatever's been going on with COVID and the, the late start to the season and everything that's going on this season, it was nice to see game one, boom, make a statement. And they went out there and made a statement, scored a ton of points and looked really good on offense. And, like, the thing to me that I, that I just loved seeing out of the offense was seeing true freshmen and guys who were kind of, like, buried on the depth chart last year getting chances to play because of the potential there, because of the speed and everything. Guys like Blake Corum got that that pass on the first play of the game. He's a true freshman. I saw something like he's the first true freshman to get. It's kind of like a random stat, but the first true freshman for Michigan to get the first snap on offense, the first yards since 2008. So like it's just kind of one of those random things. But usually you don't see a true freshman like get out there and get you know the first offensive snap for Michigan. So I just like seeing them. They have guys who are fast. They have guys who are athletes. They have guys who clearly can be difference makers. It doesn't matter if they're true freshmen. It doesn't matter if they were, you know, buried on the depth chart last year or whatever. These guys can be difference makers. Let's get them the ball on little screen passes, bubble screens, slants. You know, they're running the read option with Milton. They're letting him just, like, basically look like Terrell Pryor, like Cam Newton or something, and just take the snap and run. And so it just seems like, and it's not – bringing up Shea Patterson. I know we're kind of tabling that a little bit, but like, it seems like the offense is just like more 
after one game, I know. But it seems like the offense is a little more, like, open with Joe Milton. It seems like Gaddis is finally like, finally, I can run my offense. I can do everything I want with Milton. I knew Matt couldn't hold it in. I knew he couldn't tamper it down. <laughs> no. That, and that's okay. That's okay because, you know, you're talking about the skill players too, which obviously they were impressive, but – I mean, offensive line. You know, they never get it. They never get talked about much, but they had a hell of a game. They were opening up some big holes for those running backs. And same thing with the D line. I mean, you know, Don the Brown thing, dialed up some good. The thing calls. that I loved the most about this game is the fact that it, it just like we demoralized yes. Minnesota, clowned them as the kids, as the Gen Zers would like to say. <laughs> and I wouldn't be surprised. This is a game. I guarantee it. This is what's going to happen. Minnesota's going to just an, a loss like that. There's really no way to bounce back from it. They're going to make, probably lose like three or four games this year, and we're going to look back like, oh, like that wasn't that big of a win. Like when we're comparing right. resumes at the end of the year. So just yeah. remember that I said that now. That's going to happen because I, like we just embarrassed them. Uh, national TV, huge game, first game of the year, just embarrassed them. In terms of like Michigan State, on the other hand, like they got totally embarrassed. I'm not sure if they bounce back this year. I'm not sure if they win a game this year. I don't know how you lose to a Rutgers at home when you're favored by two scores, like how do you bounce back from that, really? That's and then you got to play Michigan, and Michigan's probably going to oh, beat them I, by thirty. Like I, they, I think they are going downhill I think, fast. I think that's the way they bounce back is getting to play Michigan that next game. If they if they went if lay that egg, I mean they had seven turnovers. That that, that who knows what would have happened if they only turned over two or three times or something. But you can't expect like seven turnovers to happen again. But right, it's still terrible. You can't go out and lose at home as as the favorite to Rutgers, who hasn't won a Big Ten game in like three seasons, that's a terrible loss. So I definitely get what you're saying, but I think the the like recipe for fixing everything is playing Michigan. Because if it was like now they had to play Illinois, it might be like, oh man, how do you like get up for that game? You know, you just lost an awful game to Rutgers. How do you get up for Illinois or you know, you maybe even like in yeah, Iowa maybe. or something. Yeah. But now you got Michigan. So it's like you've got you got no excuses to not get up for this game, to not, like, put the Rutgers game behind you, and you want to make a statement, you want to, even if you're Mel Tucker, do you want to show your fan base, do you want to show, you know, all your players, recruits, and everything that this isn't a lost cause, go play Michigan, who just made a huge statement against Minnesota, and, you know, at least fight. I mean, obviously win would be great, but don't get blown out, you know, don't turn it over seven times. Yeah, when they got got some decisions to make at quarterback, too. I know what you're saying, Jared, because Michigan could – go out there and win by 40 but i think playing michigan that probably helps michigan state maybe it helps them like in terms of preparing for the game like the team hasn't already quit now right but they're gonna lose by 40 like i they're just gonna lose by 40 i'm sorry there's nothing this michigan state team is so bad there's no there's no bright spot there's no bright spot well we'll, anywhere And, and and let me would you guys if you were like a state fan, like put the state, take the, you know, Matt, you especially, maybe if you take off like three, like all your Michigan clothing, we just have to take off our Michigan hats <laughs> and put on a Spartan gear. Like, would you hit the reset button on like your coaching hire? If you could go all the way back to uh, when they hired Mel Tucker, would you still want this guy? I know it's one game, but good Lord, just compared to Greg Schiano, like he steps into Rutgers, which is in a way worse spot than Michigan state and just flips them around just like that. Uh, t- uh, 
long term, yes, they were in a worse spot than Michigan State. But if you look at all the turmoil that State went through, losing their head coach, getting the late hire, I mean, and like you said, it's one game in. If I was a Spartan fan, I wouldn't be too overworked right yet. It's going to be – he's going to get his one year here, but as, that's an ugly start for sure. That is, that's got to put a lot of it's doubt. The ugliest in, possible start. It was, and it's got to put a lot of doubt in Spartan fans' hand, heads. And, you know, he's making, I think, $35 million, too, <laughs> in his contract. Yeah. So they're not getting rid of him after the first year, they're, that's for sure. It'll be interesting to check in with Joey Janka and uh, get some of his thoughts on the Spartans. Before we segue into that uh, – I, th- I felt that uh, on Saturday, yeah, gearing up for the Michigan game and watching the Michigan State game, which was kind of a ho-hum affair, to be honest with you, watching it, uh, the, the, the Indiana-Penn State game was one of the most exciting finishes I've ever seen, and that really got me geared up for the rest of the day. That was incredible, coming down to just a hair, either in the end zone or not in the end zone, and to go for the two-point conversion in the win. I mean, you got to give a lot of credit to that Indiana head coach. And and it was so awesome to see Franklin choke out another one. He blew that game 100%. There's no way they lose that game. They had the lead, and they could clock it all out, and they blew it. I don't have the same feeling for the Lions and Falcons. You know, Falcons still had to take the lead in that game. Penn State had it, and they just kneel down and win the game. So that was right. awesome. No, that Indiana went out and won that game. And, yeah, I love them going for two. And that was just a hell of a play yes. by their quarterback. I mean, running to the pylon. Obviously, everyone can go back and forth on if it was actually good or not. It was pro- it was so close, there was no way they were going to overturn it. I think that's the main point. But just like an incredible play, all of that aside, I'm so glad you brought up Franklin because the hype and everything around Penn State and James Franklin bothers me so much because when you look at all the records, you know, like record against top 10 opponents, record against, uh, on the road versus ranked teams. You know, all those things that people bring up for Harbaugh to, like, kind of bash him. Franklin's right there along with him, and some, in some places even worse. The one thing that Franklin has is he's beaten Ohio State, and he's uh, won a Big Ten. And yeah. what's weird is in that season that he did that was the year that Michigan beat them by, like, 40. Yeah. And they just, like, turned their season around. So, like, if there's one coach who, it, it like, proves all you got to do because of the run that Ohio State is on right now, they're so good right now, all you got to do is get him once. Like, get him once, yep. and, and you're good for a while. It's James Franklin because, really, the rest of the time, he's been as good as Harbaugh, except Harbaugh just can't beat Ohio State. So, And, really, I think Harbaugh is a better coach than James, yeah. James Franklin. He just can't beat Ohio State. So uh, just the, the Penn State hype just bothers me sometimes. Yeah, and I, like I said, it was fun to see, and, and I put the, the blame squarely on him. You know, he kind of danced around a little bit in the press conference, and he, yeah, he took he took the blame, but there is no way you shouldn't have that message passed on to your team that you don't score a touchdown there. I mean, that's the old Tony Anise thing. Years and years ago, I remember uh, Tony Anise pulled that at Montrose in a high school game and almost came back and, and won the game. They didn't win it. Indiana did, so that was incredible. Well, we're going to talk – you mean like they they didn't score to run the clock out or what was the scenario no it was it i think it was uh montrose was playing against somebody like monroe st mary catholic and it was the same scenario you know they were st mary was ahead by a point and uh it was it was just like what happened they let them score the touchdown they they could have tied it with a with a touchdown and a two-pointer but they didn't they didn't do it but at least they were they were smart enough to do let that play score. yeah yeah and let them score that's the first time i ever saw it and uh, I can't believe it worked for Indiana. It was incredible. 
All right, well, let's get Joey Jank on here in just a second, but I want to tell you about some more good words from some good folks. Sheridan Auction Service always has a wide variety of items and real estate on the docket. Stay up to date by checking their website at SheridanAuctionService.com. Nelson House Funeral Homes, their number one goal is to serve the families in our community. The top priority is caring for friends and neighbors and being right there when you need them the most. See them on the web at nelson-house.com. Our brand new sponsor this week, it's Michigan MSU Week, and it's time again for Bee's Bakery Cookie Contest. Stop in this week at 309 North Washington in Owasso by the post office. Pick up your delicious maize and blue or green and white cookies. Each cookie counts as a vote in their annual contest, and while you're there, try out some of the other great bees bakery treats including jared i know you like this the best donuts in the area yeah they're my favorite donut from them is like it's a triangle that's it's what like, I, I like i think it's like kind of the maple, maple cream triangle yeah, maple cream triangle just delicious and here's a fun fact that i do and people don't do and they maybe think it's weird or crazy but it makes your donuts taste way better throw them in the microwave yeah warm them up a warm them up I don't think that's silly. You know, people don't do it, but it's so much better. Tastes so much better. Uh, stop into bees. One final thing I want to pass on to you, Rivals Taphouse and Grill. They're the, they are the official sports bar of Three Point Podcast. Come on out for high school football on the big screen Friday night. I think they'll probably have the Corona game on. And also the big Michigan-Michigan State game Saturday at Rivals Taphouse and Grill. We're teaming up with them, giving away a bunch of swag. We got t-shirts that we had printed up with our logo and our sponsors from uh, Hankard. Also, it's uh, it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month and the gang at Rivals and uh, Three Point Podcast. We're all uh, coming together, donating some money for that great charity. And uh, it's just an exciting time there between Three Point Podcast and Rivals, isn't it, Matt? Yeah, I think it's really cool, and you know, I, I had some friends there last Saturday night told me they were there watching the Michigan game, and they said it was a packed house, almost every table was full, everyone's obviously cheering, the game's on the big screen, great food and drinks, and then they were handing out some some of those cool three-point podcast koozies, so yeah, not only can you go there, get some good food, watch the game, but you know, you can donate to a good cause too, so it's pretty cool. Absolutely. All right, well, let's uh, let's go from that. Everybody's going to be out at Rivals watching the big Michigan State-Michigan game. Let's check in with a man who bleeds green and white, Joe Janka, and let's break down the Spartans' opener and uh, the big game. All right, Joe, you know, we, we intended to have you on last week, and everything would have been optimism, but after Saturday, seven turnovers and, you know, the Mel Tucker era, not off to the start you wanted. First of all, some of your thoughts. You know, uh, there was some hope there, uh, I think, early on. that It, it, it was just rough in all, all areas of football. Um, I, I don't think you could uh, start the Mel Tucker era off at Michigan State in a worse way. Not only was it a loss, but probably to the, the other worst team in the Big Ten. Now, I, I think I have to say that. We might be the Rutgers of the Big Ten now, sadly. But, um, yeah, it was uh, unfortunate. But, uh, you know, uh, I hope they improve throughout the year. And, you know, it's not that I had high expectations for this team this year, but um, I, I, I thought we would be better than what I saw on Saturday, to say the least. So. Uh, before we kind of, you know, dive more into it, there's one specific thing. Uh, Spartan Avenue tweeted before the game, like, could we see a 200-yard game from Elijah Collins? Uh, he ended up with eight carries and negative one yards. What do you think the main reason he was 201 yards off of, like, what a lot of Spartan fans thought he might produce on Saturday? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That was tough. I thought, in general, their running backs just looked rough. I mean, I thought there was a lot of times in that game where Rutgers – First of all, it's Rutgers, and they, they seem to be getting a lot of um, penetration, especially on state's run plays, and there was cutback lanes. 
I thought at times, especially when I was watching on replay, mm-hmm. it just didn't seem that their their running backs were really finding too many lanes in the run game. You know, and it's you know it's not like their offensive line is very good, but that was their offensive line was one position group where they had a lot of guys returning, so that was tough. And you know, uh, like I said, there wasn't too many things watching Saturday that uh, I could say in a positive about it. And I think the running backs might have been the most disappointing part. So Elijah Collins included. So, <laughs> so you're you're sounding like you're a little disappointed, and you you mentioned that your expectations weren't necessarily high coming into the season, and rightfully so. We've we've talked about it before, Mel Tucker. It wasn't the most ideal situation, the timing of when he came in and then the shutdown with COVID and everything. But are you? I've seen, I'm seeing a lot of Michigan State fans almost like they're, they're trying to play the two sides. They're saying, ah, this season doesn't matter. We don't even care. Some teams might only play five games. Some teams might play six games. Who knows how this season's going to go? 2020 is a wash. Who cares? Are you on that side? Or But you know if Michigan State somehow goes in and beats Michigan, it's not going to be, oh, this season doesn't matter. Because if, if you can somehow beat Michigan and salvage a 4-4, four and four, maybe even a 5-3 and three season, it's not going to be a this season doesn't matter, right? Right, exactly. And it, I, I'm just glad we have fir- football first off. So I, I think we're all can agree on that. At least we got some Big Ten football back. You know, it was, it was tough for me to even watch college football without having Michigan State, Michigan included. But, no, there's no excuses. And, and Michigan State could have all the excuses in the book, but there's no excuse for turning the ball over seven times and looking like they waited it, the way they did against Rutgers. Um, my my thought coming into the year was I thought this was a two and six maybe three and five team candidly uh, they're probably worse than that now um, but I just wanted to look for substantial differences and schematically how they played their offense I didn't want them to try to play inside of a phone booth at least try to open the game up and then ideally two three years from now. Uh, they might get some guys to recruit or play in there and develop and learn the system, which I think there was some signs of that. I, I really don't think Rocky Lombardi played that poorly. And, again, it's Rutgers. But, I mean, he completed 72% of his passes, threw a couple picks, but one of them was a miscommunication. The one at the end, he was kind of forcing the ball because they were down by 11. But there was some positives, I think, in their passing game. But I, I don't know, man. You're not going to beat a lot of teams with seven turnovers. And I don't, I'm not to play the excuse card, but it's um, it, it was a tough situation. But they shouldn't look that poor. They yeah. really shouldn't. Yeah, I don't know any team that can come back from seven turnovers without a doubt. So that was the really the, the thing that stood out in that game. Uh, and I, I like the way that you broke down your expectations. You know, maybe two wins, maybe three wins. We were talking about it last week that is a, a successful. We think most Spartan fans would look at this as a successful season under first-year head coach Mel Tucker, the way he got hired. If they somehow could have gone four and four, and they still, I mean, they might be able to still if they can turn it around but uh my question for you joe is okay we saw what they had out there is it already too early do you think that uh, maybe tucker starts playing some of the real young kids some of his recruits and get them ready for next year or is it too early i think it's too early from that and i think they have to i think at times with the d'antonio era um, which I think some of that loss, and, and I, I thought it was funny you was at the game, some of that loss from this past weekend, I think that goes on to Antonio um, and just shows you how bad of a you know platter Mel Tucker took over. <laughs> I mean, he wasn't, the last four years of the Antonio's program there, they weren't evolving. They weren't making the necessary changes to, to play modern college football, in my opinion. Um, and people give, you know, Harbaugh, and not that we're talking about Michigan, and Josh Gaddis, uh, they were picking on him, saying speed and space, and, but, I, but at least Michigan's trying and trying to open the game up. And Mark D'Antonio wasn't willing to do that. And, you know, the hope is that, you know, Mel Tucker can do that. But a part of that, I think, is being willing to make the tough decision, play some of these younger guys, like you said, Ted. And I wouldn't say that's this weekend. I think he's going to play the best players available. Right. Um, 
down a win at least with our expectations. I think so. <laughs> if you had, and I asked this question before you came on, are, are, if you could hit the reset button on the Mel Tucker hire, like right now, clean your hands, hit it, go back in time, and go back to find some other coach, would you do it right now? I know it's maybe a little early, but my God, it's Rutgers. <laughs> way early, way early. I, w- I wouldn't do that. Um, I'm a I'm a believer, and especially at a um, a program like Michigan State, where it's not like they just are chock full of talent. That it is going to take time, and it, it takes time at all programs. And I, I just I, I if we're losing the Rutgers two three years from now, uh, absolutely. But uh, he's going to need more time to implement a system. Um, he's going to need more time to recruit. But like it. Next year, if we lose to Rutgers, that's when I'm going to be saying, "What's going on here, guys?" <laughs> yeah, well, it killed you. I'm, I'm sure it killed you to, to to watch the Michigan State game. It probably killed you to watch the Michigan game too. You know, that's coming up Saturday. What what does Sparty have to do first of all to cover the spread? I think 24, 24, 25. Uh, can they can they pull off a win somehow? <laughs> I, I honestly don't see a way they can win. Um, a, I think that was the best, especially offensively, a Michigan team has looked since Harbaugh's been there. But if they're going to be in the game, obviously they can't turn the ball over seven times, which who knows? Michigan's a lot better defense than Rutgers. You never know. But can't turn the ball over. Got to have some time of possession and be able to run the ball somewhat, at least get some first downs and control some of that time of possession and keep that Michigan team off the field. And then just a continuation of trying to complete passes uh, for Lombardi and just you know try to open the game up as much as you can, but it's it's going to be real tough, real tough. It, it, I think that 24-point spread might be a little low. I really do. It's just I don't see it. That, that Michigan team is looking great. I really do think so. So Are you terrified of Joe Milton? Are you worried that this could be like the Joe Milton official like coming out declaring for the Heisman <laughs> like game? Four or five touchdowns, <laughs> potentially. I, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of expecting it, but I, I mean, I'm scared of everyone right now. <laughs> Jared, I mean, we just, I think we made Rutgers quarterback late in that game <laughs> look like a Heisman Trophy candidate. I mean, it's just, when you're at that point, I mean, it's, it's just trying to get better. And I don't expect a lot from this weekend, but um, I think the, the key, and I think Mel Tucker does preach this pretty well, is it's kind of move on, onto the next moment, onto the next game, next play. And I think it, it's more, this is going to be a mentality year or a system year where he's just trying to install some of those things he learned when he was coaching with Nick Saban all those years and just trying to move on to the next play, move on to the next game. Um, but I'm thinking come Sunday morning, they're really going to want to move on from this yeah. Michigan game fast. <laughs> yeah, I, I was so. saying it earlier when, when we were talking about this game before you came on that the two teams couldn't be at two completely different spots like more than they are right now. And if Mel Tucker wants to say, hey, let's go out and make a statement, let's go out and put up a fight against Michigan. So I think it's a good chance. But the thing I want to ask you is, I'm sure you guys saw it today. There was, you know, like the media Zoom call with Mel Tucker and, you know, all the media members. And he refused to say Michigan. He just, huh. he just was saying that team up the road. How do you feel about that? Okay, <laughs> because so my, my thoughts, I was never a big fan of when Hoke would say Ohio instead of Ohio State. I absolutely cannot stand, and for obvious reasons, how Urban Meyer refuses to say Michigan. He says that team up north. He even still says it when he's doing his college football coverage on, on Fox. But So Mel Tucker's already hopping in on that. I think this stuff is cheesy. I think it's a little lame. Michigan State, like the word Michigan is in his school, so what is he just going to refer to his school as state from now on? Like, how, Where do you <laughs> fall on Mel Tucker refusing to say Michigan? Yeah, I think it's kind of cheesy too, I mean, in a sense. 
Um, I do think he needs to continue emphasizing this game and keeping that kind of hatred alive that uh, D'Antonio sparked because it can get away from you real quick. And, I, um, you know, I, I, you guys, especially when I was younger, that wasn't really much of a rivalry. It really wasn't. And, it, and once D'Antonio came in there, he kind of did put his foot down. And I hope you're right, man. I really do. I mean, at least make it a competitive game. I don't see a way of state winning. I really don't. But if it's, say, it's within 10 points in the fourth quarter or something like that, that's definitely a win. And, and at least you can see, you know, that pride or that kind of hatred. If Michigan State at least plays with that intensity, I think that's a win. And then, you know, hopefully next year, once he has his system instilled and maybe some more of his recruits around, maybe give it a better shot at actually competing. But to your point, yeah, I do think that's kind of cheesy. But as long as he has that mentality and instills that kind of hatred or that fuel, that chip on the shoulder mentality for Michigan State that worked for D'Antonio for so long, I, I hope he continues it no matter what he calls them. So. <laughs> Last question for you, Joe, uh, for this game coming up Saturday. How, just a gut feel. How do you see it? Do you think Spartans will hang in there within uh, 10 to 17, or you think Michigan will roll them? I roll them. I think it'll be very similar to last year where maybe they stick around for a little bit in the first half, um, but I think there's going to be a point where Milton and Michigan's offense is going to be really tough to stop for Michigan State's uh, you know, really young defense in a lot of parts, and um, Michigan athleticism is going to really outshine, and I doubt you know, this might be more of a coming-out party for Michigan's defense because I think Minnesota had a lot more um, weapons on offense than Michigan State does. So, um, you know, if I had to guess 40-something to 10, I mean, I, wow. I mean, being honest, and yeah. like I said, I'm a diehard, but it's just it's tough for me to see with this current situation and this current team for Michigan State this being close in the second half. But we'll see. I'm open. <laughs> All right. Well, good stuff, Joe. And uh, we want to check in with you periodically during the season if you're open for it because you always bring good stuff to the pod, man. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on, and uh, let's let's bring me back on in basketball season. I'll have a little bit more fun with that this year. <laughs> that sounds fair. All right, Joey. We'll see you later. All right. Hey, that was great stuff from Joe, and, you know, I think we've talked up enough of Michigan, Michigan State. We'll do a little lion talk because uh, I definitely want to get into that a little bit. Before we do, though, I want to tell you about the CronaConnection.com. They know it's great to be gold. Keep up to date on Cavalier Nation at CronaConnection.com. Also, Advanced Elevator Company. They have expert field technicians for troubleshooting, repair, and installation of elevators. Huge supporter of the Corona Public Schools and Hankard Sportswear, the area's top clothing and more printing business located in the heart of Owasso at 116 West Exchange Street. Follow them on Facebook at Hankard.Sportswear. Well, let's see. The Lions are at 3-3. Three 3-3 and 3-3 three. Three and three on the season, Jared. <laughs> 500. Wow. I mean, they have, like, the worst schedule in the world. Got to play who's in front of you. They do. And the good thing is, is I love how, you know, you want me, Lion fans are coming in. We're making trades for old defensive ends, which <laughs> I know it gets Lions fans all excited and stuff. Like, what, hashtag LFG, let's go. I don't – you guys are so dumb. You guys are so dumb. This you, We are winning these games. This team is not a Super Bowl contender. This team is not a playoff game winner. This team is not a playoff team. What this is, you got a few more weeks of excitement. Maybe they'll get you to Thanksgiving before eventually they just completely fall off the earth and you realize that we are in no man's land like we are every single year. The, this team is, yeah, they beat the 1-5 Falcons. It took a miraculous game. It took the Falcons up for us to win. And you guys are sitting here, like, dancing and celebrating and loving it. Well, like, Matt hasn't what even are you talking about? Matt the 1-5 Falcons. Yet. It took a 
miraculous effort. Matt Stafford, vintage drive. It took the Falcons not knowing what the heck's going on. It took the Falcons lioning for the Lions to get a win. And yet you guys are so happy. Like, you think that this is like they, we've turned a page. No. Well, you're we breaking, played bad teams. We knew we were going to win these games. You're breaking we it down. We knew we were going to win these teams. You're breaking it down games. perfectly for us. I mean, really, look, if they win that Bears game, they're 4-2. and two. Now, let me ask you this. You're probably right. This is not a Super Bowl team. Probably not a playoff winning team, but if you make it to the playoffs, anything can happen. Gonna, Matt Stafford. What are you talking about? Make it to the they're playoffs. They're 500 six games in the season, Jared. Yeah. So what I'm talking is they're still legitimately looking at the playoffs. <laughs> why? Why do you fault the fact that they sign a defensive end to help the rush? Why not? And I talked about it last week. Why not make a run at it? Matt Stafford's not getting any younger. Let's, did you watch the game or did you not? No, I did watch the game. I watched every snap of the game. Okay, well, that's good. Were you not excited at the end when Matt Stafford again <laughs> has a minute to go and drives him all the way down? Great the field finish. For a win? I, I was excited in the moment, but you have to understand, long term, this is not what we want. Would you rather them be 1-5 right now and yes. you just go along with your Sundays and don't care? Or would you rather have something to look forward to on Sundays at least until December? I mean, that's at least something to look forward to, and then the NBA is going to start. I, I look at it as victories. You know, let's let's keep my intent, my attention, and if you can get close to the playoffs at the end of the season and and get in, hey, let's go. Now I'll let you talk, Matt. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering if I could jump in there. Yeah, I think I, you know I'm with you, Jared. That it is that feeling of being in like the Detroit Pistons no man's land if they just go eight and eight, nine and seven again, and you know, save Matt Patricia's job, you know, are they going to be in that position again? But I, you know, talking to some friends and stuff, and it's it's hard for me to get mad when the Detroit Lions win a game. I understand, you know, when you talk about tanking for Trevor or not wanting Patricia to come back, so you want to go 3-13 and 13 or something. But after watching the Lions my whole life, you know, I am to the point where it's like anytime the Lions win, I'm going to be happy. And obviously, like, I'm a huge Matt Stafford fan, so I love seeing him you know, have that comeback like he did, but it is kind of hard to say. I don't, I definitely don't think they're a Super Bowl contender right now, but the, the Bears don't look very good. The Packers, you know, I think they're really good. They kind of stunk last week, you know, so you don't know if they're going to be okay. And really, like, the schedule coming up for the Lions is very favorable. They get the Colts, they get the Vikings, Washington, and then the Panthers. Four super winnable games. So, like I tweeted it out, if they could go three and one in those and sit at six and four, who knows what the Bears are going to do? I mean, at that point, like you said, around Thanksgiving, they might legitimately be in the playoff picture. So, I mean, they got to play. You know, the, I think the defense has to play better. But Stafford's playing as good right now as he was last year before he got hurt. So, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not. You know, the Kool Aid's not coming back, but. <laughs> They're starting to show something, I guess, is what what I'm trying to say. They're showing a little bit of light. Let's talk about the positive, too. That, that is Matt Stafford. I mean, yeah, the Falcons blew it. You know, they, they scored that touchdown, giving the Lions a chance. I don't fault them really 100% for that just because you still have to take the lead. But, you know, it's pretty much a chip shot when you kick a field goal and just run the clock down to zero. But there's always it's a not chance. not much of a difference. Between... There's always a chance you miss. There's a chance it could be blocked. There's a chance you miss it. Slight as it is. you know. I just think it's a little bit – it's not the same exact scenario, but it's a little hypocritical for you. No, you were just going on a soapbox about how James, James Franklin's an idiot and he took the some The difference is impressive. the Falcons really didn't have the lead. It's really not big of a difference. It's a difference. It's a difference. And by NFL the way – NFL kicker? NFL kicker. 20-yarder? And 
And by the way, or just scoring on the next play, taking thirty seconds off the clock on the inch line. But there's a chance. There's a chance. Now there's a chance. There's a minute to go in the the game. There's a minute to go in the game. Lions have no timeouts, and I I believe last I checked, Mr. Blank pays his defense to tackle people and cover people. (laughs) So. That, that was one of the things, too. Like, right. you know, you see some what are we people, doing here? We talked about it earlier, the strategy of not scoring there to run the clock out. Right. Obviously, because the Lions had no timeouts, that would have been the strategy. But then, you know, you see some people say, like, if you can get points, get the points. You never want to take points off the scoreboard. So there is that strategy, too, because, like you said, the defense is paid to stop them, and the Lions had no timeouts. So to just, like, I, we've seen Stafford do this his whole career. He's the best. You can't expect a guy – to drive the length of the field in a minute and and score a touchdown to tie the game up. I mean, with no timeouts, that is, Stafford was throwing darts left and right that whole drive. And then, and then of course, you know, the touchdown only ties it up <laughs> to get a penalty and back Prater up to hit the game-winning extra point, and he had already missed. He's been a little iffy this year, so that was almost my Lions moment on Sunday. Like, of course, you're going to back Prater up and make him miss this. A 48-yard extra point. <laughs> right. Usually, usually those, he's money. That's, like, automatic for him usually, but he's been a little iffy this year. So, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm definitely with you. The Falcons should have just tried to lay down and take the field goal to win it or whatever. But, you know, sometimes people say, like, if you can't get the points, take the points. Yeah, and, I, and I'll stick with, I am a, I've told you this last week, you know what, I'm a diehard Lion fan. Yeah, laugh at me all you want, but, you know, that Bear game, I talked about it before. Clinical depression for about three hours afterwards. After that game against the Falcons, man, I felt pretty damn you know good. You know what is just day. the most like perplexing thing about it is I remember earlier this year, me and Matt are talking about like, oh, how about we just win a playoff game? Yeah. First. And you were saying, oh, well, this is all about winning a Super Bowl, isn't it? At the end of the day, it's all about winning a Super Bowl, this or that. What gets the Lions closer to winning a Super Bowl? Trevor Lawrence or uh, offensive lineman number in pick number sixteen. Yeah, but but the thing is that'll just be a a bust. They, but they didn't they didn't they didn't quit. They didn't quit after the Bears game. I mean, if if they would if they would have folded and lost their next oh, three we'll games, that's a simple. different story. Another uh, Patricia year or getting him out now. He's coming back what? at this rate. He's coming back. What if they finish with ten wins? What do you do? They're not going. You to. can't say he's how that do crap. you go from. They should have lost to the maybe the worst team in the NFL. Very damn close. Should have, would have, could have. Yeah, yeah. And you go from there to this team is going to win ten games. I'm like, just saying, basically it, run the table if they do. I go said. seven and three the rest of the way against Packers, Brown or Bears, and they are they have the easiest stretch of games in the history of maybe the history of the NFL right now. Well, that that gives With them the a better Jaguars. chance, doesn't it? Doesn't that give them a better chance? Well, it's about the end is the is the problem no i get that i get that but if you know everything we all played sports we all know that if you get on a bit of a roll and you have some momentum going and and let's face it sports also it's not just physical it's mental if they if they feel good about themselves and have good mojo who knows and they still do have matt stafford damn it mental uh it's funny no pun intended mental we've a idiot coach so the mental the mental games and this well, and i'm that not sold and, on dude, him believe me yeah, i'm not so, sold on him all right but but I, this I, is dude all right, you guys crack me up all right you guys can go ahead and talk about how great of a win it was i'll just i'll just <laughs> i'll listen and i'll laugh in a few weeks well i've talked about it enough but i enjoyed it i'm sure matt enjoyed it too yeah i mean it's hard not to enjoy it. i don't know if you guys saw the video on twitter like even detroit lions twitter posted it and it was all over a ton of fans like going absolutely berserk 
I wasn't on that level because, (laughs) yes, I I loved it because I'm a huge Stafford fan also, so I like seeing that. But it was like, okay, this is against the one and five, not one and six Falcons. So let's let's kind of settle down a little bit. As far as Patricia, I mean, we we went all in on him the last few weeks, basically saying that you know they should fire him and everything. And I'm I'm still kind of on that side, like you said, Ted. I'm not sold on him being like a very good head coach, right? But kind of like what you said too. If somehow he like gets this team to rally and they win nine, ten, eleven games and like fight for the playoffs, I'm not all of a sudden saying he's Bill Belichick, but you know maybe it's like okay, maybe they figured something out. You know, like I'm I'm not gonna get kind of like what I said earlier. I'm not gonna get mad at the Lions for winning. I see so many people also like, why are the Lions winning? I hate this. No, they shouldn't be winning. It's like. <laughs> I mean, what what do you want? The Lions have been losing basically the the whole history of the franchise. Like, are you going to get mad at them for winning games? Not me. Yeah. Not at this point. You know, after after, after that There's Bears game. There's a difference game. between you, like the way you guys are painting this picture of them, quote unquote. Like, you guys talking about like ten wins? No, they just beat the worst team in the league on a last second miraculous touchdown. Where Matt Stafford should have been sacked. I don't think. Like, I love how you guys are talking. Like, like, oh, you guys are getting mad about them winning. This team sucks. I am mad about them winning, <laughs> and I and that shouldn't be like you guys are making it sound like we're like uh, like we're never satisfied. No, they suck. This team sucks, so we might as well bottom them out. Course, Trust the process. That, that's true, but you're it's coming from the What's same the guy worst? that said. Uh, okay, let's just keep. Let's do the Detroit Pistons thing. Let's run okay, that. Go route. ahead. Go ahead. Let's do that route. Let's do that. We'll keep doing what we're doing right now. Win every win every other game against the bad teams. Lose against a lot of the bad teams as well. It, it just comes down to the fact you're not as big of a Lions fan as Matt and I are. <laughs> That's not it at all. I'm well, a smarter fan. You can't tank year after year. Hey, we did it your way, old man. We did it your way. <laughs> your whole life, we've done it your whole way. You've done it this way with the Lions your uh, whole touché, life. Touché. Time for the the younger <laughs> generation to maybe take control of this organization and make some changes. Maybe you're right. Because <laughs> what you're doing ain't working. Well, we'll see. It's still a long ways to go. Ten more games, right? Regular season. Ten more games. <laughs> Apparently, we're going to win them all. <laughs> well, you never know. All right. The thing is, the main thing is, I just want my money from Firekeepers. I want my winning. Hey man, I'm thinking the same thing, man. That, yeah, that's. I think that's the the hidden thing that you're not telling our listeners that you have money on them winning seven games. Well, we aren't hiding so. it from our listeners. They were tuned in right at the beginning when we were dogged on making our bet. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, if you were asking me whether I think they're going to win seven games, I would still take the under. Right now, three. you don't think they'll they win four win. games the rest of the year, huh? I'd have to take a look at the schedule. I'd okay. have to look up look the schedule up and down and go through the wins and losses. But yeah. I would, at gut feeling, no. Okay. Well, we'll see. That and you'll think you think they'll probably slide on six, and that means Matt and I are losers. So we'll see. All right, let's wrap up this uh, podcast, boys, with uh, with a little entertainment tonight. All right. I know Matt. You saw Borat. I saw Borat. First of all, I have here. not seen Borat yet. Okay. It's definitely on my watch list. Depending on your guys' review, although I, I will say if you guys give a positive review, you also positively positively reviewed QB Halloween. <laughs> and that's and that's the worst movie. So I'm gonna actually gonna throw that I'm gonna throw that out there before our listeners hear you guys' reviews. If they're in the same boat as me, these guys reviewed QB Halloween and they like gave it like three three thumbs up. And no, basically no. said like how I was crazy for not watching. Sixty six percent is not big thumbs up. It's yeah. worth watching. I, okay, the thing I always say it it's with the expectations of what you know it's gonna be. I'm not saying it was an Oscar, a Hubie Halloween's going to go win a bunch of awards and stuff like that. 
it's going in knowing it's a goofy Halloween Adam Sandler movie. With those expectations, it was very entertaining. And then Borat, let's slide right to Borat. I was pleasantly surprised. I was going to watch it no matter what, but it was on Amazon Prime. Didn't have to pay anything. As long as that's you're awesome. That's a big plus. That's a big, big plus. I, I was ready to shell out 1995, you know, and watch the movie. But you understand what the concept of the movie is? Yes, I've seen Borat. I love. No, I, no, I, I know really Borat. Like I mean, the Borat. concept of this part the, of it. Basically, it's Borat again, same plot, but he brings his daughter. He along brings with his fifteen-year-old da- daughter, and he was going to present her to Vice President Mike Pence <laughs> as a prize, right? Oh. <laughs> That's that was the premise, right, Matt? Yeah, I mean, yeah, for the most part. <laughs> and like, well, I, I don't want to spoil much, but there. Were, he didn't know he was bringing her along. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we won't spoil it, but there's a few things I wanted to talk about with it. Uh, some of the highlights were he did make it into a, a speech given by Pence. I won't say what happened there. Uh, also, there was a debutante ball. And I, w- I don't know about you, Matt. Were you watching it with your wife? I wasn't, no. Oh, you're lucky. <laughs> you're lucky. Because that scene, <laughs> my wife pretty much bailed out on that scene. I'll just say, when you're watching this this cotillion with with these socialites down in, uh, I think they're in South Carolina or something, you know, he, Borat was presenting his daughter as part of this group. And what happened in that scene was, uh, was a mind blower. Let's just put it that yeah. way. Yeah, I mean, uh, you've seen the first Borat, Jared, and anyone who's seen the first one, you you either you have to have a certain sense of humor for these kind of movies, <laughs> and usually with these ones, especially with the way Sasha Baron Cohen leans on the political side, if you if you fall on the other side, you're not going to enjoy these movies either. Because yeah. he was right. this one to me, the the first one there was definitely like a, maybe some like a political message to it, but it was more it was more like a cultural I don't know like joke or whatever yeah. I guess the first one. This one was like a clear political message towards what's going on in america right now absolutely and i mean it was like it was obvious like the points he was trying to make as far as like you know politics and stuff and and man if you have a certain sense of humor you will love it and you'll laugh and and like that scene you're talking about Ted, you'll (laughs) you'll just like shake your head i guess i yelled i yelled out loud like what Can, can we uh, get a clip of that uh, that scream and use that another maybe no like soundbite on the podcast? <laughs> set, set the scenario of your viewing too, Matt. Did you watch it by yourself or did you watch it with somebody else? Yeah, no, I watched it by myself because I, I mean I told my wife um, that I wanted to watch it. Right. I, you know, I asked her like, "Do you want to watch it with me?" And she was just kind of like, <laughs> eh. "You know," I could tell she was like indifferent, didn't really care. She actually she had some stuff to do and everything, whatever. Last night, so I was like. Okay, cool. You're busy. I'm going to watch this. So I'll sit in there by myself, which was probably the best way to watch it. Yeah, I think so. I think so. she would have enjoyed it. I think so, too, especially since I had to watch it with my wife and I had to kind of tone down my uh, my laughter because there were some scenes <laughs> there that was laugh out loud stuff. So on the, on the scale here, three-point podcast, what do you give it, Matt? I mean, again, going in with the expectations, knowing it's Borat, I'm, I'm giving it a two because I knew that the comedy was going to be good. I like his comedy. I like the message he was trying to get across, so I'm, I'm giving it a two. Two out of three. Yeah, I'll bump it up even. I'll, I'll give it, since I love Borat and I love some of that sicko humor, and there was a lot of that in it, uh, and the political stuff too, I'm going to give it a 2.5. So nice. Rotten Tomatoes gave it uh, 84%. The audience score was 74%. So 
For, and I, uh, I, I looked I, that I up afterwards. I will probably I, watch that tonight, honestly. Especially being free, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah, it's it, worth it too. I think it was even less. I think it was only eighty minutes. Might have been an hour and a half, but it's a it's a short watch. Yeah. watch. And it's 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 funny. The thing is, I don't know if you guys were wondering before watching, uh, like you know, basically he Borat's pretty well known now, right? And I was wondering, like, how we how is, how are they going to pull this off? You know, like walking around the streets of New York or wherever he is, like everyone's going to recognize him. And it was kind of funny how they actually like played into that a little bit. Yeah, they had him in some. Let's just say other other disguises at times too. So right. So yeah, it's it's worth watching, especially if you have Amazon Prime and it's free, and you like Borat's kind of humor. All right, well let's uh, let's call it a show, boys. Other than I just wanted to say congratulations to our young buck here. Had a nice job on play by play last Friday. Unfortunately, he had to be a part of a blowout, sixty-two to seven game, but did a nice job. And uh, yeah, way to go, Jared. I tuned it, in a little bit. I was going to say I sounded pretty good. I don't know about that, but. I, I got to listen back to it. Maybe it wasn't as bad as I thought it was, but it definitely felt bad in the moment. I listened to it. I only, only only thing I would say is we got to get your got to get your mouth closer to the microphone. A little low talking at times. That's all I'd have to say. <laughs> all right, you're just like a- you guys have said before too. And I mean, I I know it too. I just, I haven't done play by play. The game dictates the dictates oh. the energy a lot too. And if it's a blowout like that, for sure, that makes it kind of tough to call a game like that. Yeah, it was. I don't. I've never seen. It's crazy. You would think that it was like Alabama versus, uh, but it's a, a smaller school just doing literally whatever they wanted, yeah. scoring on if they could have scored on. Like, <laughs> there's a difference between at will, <laughs> like you would, when you think of at will, you think of like Michigan, Minnesota, like marching down the field. No, this was literally get the ball, run whatever play you want, running play, pass play, score a 80 yard touchdown, repeat. Is basically yeah. what it was. It's kind of hilarious how it was. Impressive team, that's for sure. Well, Jared's going to get a little, a uh, little play, further play-by-play this week as he's going to be over at Corona covering that game on the NFHS Video Network. Matt, I don't know if you subscribe, but he'll be. Uh, call, oh, nice. He'll call some play-by-play on that while Bart and I will be over at uh, Lansing Waverly doing Waverly and St. John. So that's what we got coming up on the castle. I guess that's everything we, we have here on the podcast. Let's uh, let's call it a show, boys. Just remember, everybody, follow us. Let our partners know you listen in. They include Advanced Elevator, Corona Connection, Hankard Sportswear, Rivals Tap House and Grill, Nelson House Funeral Homes, Sheridan Auction Service, Z92.5 The Castle, and this week, Bee's Bakery. Make sure you go get your cookies. Also, we want to thank Joe Janka for joining us, breaking down the Spartans. And, you know, it's going to be a fun game Saturday. Go Blue. I know we all say that. For Jared Fattel and Matt Burns, I'm Ted Fattel. Thanking you again for supporting Three Point Podcast. And remember, get out there and vote. Point Podcast is syndicated worldwide on Sports Radio Detroit and MWSN Radio. The show is a Sportsnet Michigan production recorded at the WJSZ Mid-Michigan Studios. Spread the word to your friends and family and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or any of the other big podcast hosting sites. Comments and questions can be sent via social media at 3PointPod or by email to 3PointPod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and until next time, bye for now.